welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It was nice to have you, like, kind of in my neighborhood for a bit there, but not exactly, but it was nice to be closer to you for a bit. <laughs> the famous extra province that is Minnesota. Indeed. <laughs> also joining me is our lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I have woken up in a fictional world that is not fictional, but is itself fictional to another world. And I'm here to tell you about a new kingdom that we can all ascribe to. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And we have a special guest, our pal, Kingdom Hearts expert and Good Vibes Gaming co-founder, Ash Paulson. Hey, how's it going? I'm so happy to be here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. You might even say I am Verum ready to go. Let's do this. Oh, you got a much better pun ready. That was really <laughs> I had good. to. I was waiting. To, I've been waiting for that all day to be able to say <laughs> that. Fired, and, yeah. <laughs> Ash was with us on our Kingdom Hearts ranking episode. And gosh darn it. He's so wholesomely enthused about Kingdom Hearts that even <laughs> he made me, even me, like Kingdom Hearts. It's actually a pretty wow. remarkable thing. That's actually pretty incredible. I know. I know. I didn't. I didn't know that was possible, actually. I know. I was just I, going, wow, yeah. like Ash's, like, as with everything, Ash, your enthusiasm was pure and whole, and it moved <laughs> even my cold heart. Well, I'm so glad one of us, one of us, come join, <laughs> come join the Kingdom Hearts fold. Oh Ash my is just one of those guys where, like, the sun shines out of his butt. Ash, I'm going to need you to tell Cat about Final Fantasy XIV next. I'm going to need you to really preach the good word on that now. <laughs> yeah, please. I, well, I wish I could. Unfortunately, I'm not. I don't have time for MMOs, so I haven't played much of FF14. You've played 14 to... Kingdom Hearts games. You got time for Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. That's true. I did get to level eight in the PS5 version outside of my starting town. I've basically okay. seen the whole okay. game by then, right? Okay. That's yeah. the whole no, game. Yeah, there you go. You, yeah. 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 yeah, you got That's the thrust it. of it. Yeah. Stop yeah. at the forest. Yeah. You're done. Right. Cool. Well, we have Ash with us this week because Square Enix has announced Kingdom Hearts for the beginning of a new arc, question mark. Everybody's very excited, especially Ash. We'll be talking about all of that along with the Cyberpunk 2077 announcements and the word that the expansion is coming out in 2023. And of course, we'll be going through all of our usual segments, including this week in GeckoCon, the Top 25 RPG remake, and our favorite, Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. Before we get to that, thank you very much for listening to the Acts of the Blood God. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It brightens our day and improves the visibility of the podcast. You can also follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Your generous donations help keep the show going, allow us to buy equipment, and of course, pay the bills for Nadia, which is really great. So thank you very much. It helps me out too. I, I appreciate it. I was going to say, I, I, this isn't a charity for me. Like, you, you I know. know, you earn money <laughs> off it too. Like, yeah, I, I, I may be poor, but I'm not like the Nadia fund. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I have a full-time job at IGN.com, but I enjoy doing acts of the blood God regardless. So it's, it's an awesome time. And genuinely, we do appreciate your support. If you want to go listen to the Kingdom Hearts ranking episode that we did with Ash, it's available to $5 listeners. And we also did a Pantheon of the Blood God episode with Valkyrie Profile not too long ago. So lots and lots of special content 
for our subscribers on the Patreon, patreon.com. In the meantime, we have a couple of announcements. First off, we're going to be at PAX East. Eric, when and where can our listeners oh <laughs> find us? Oh, no. Don't ask you know, me. It's a, great, it's a great question, uh, Kat. You know, when you think about time and place <laughs> and relativity and the loading that it takes for a JPEG to start up, it's Friday, April 22nd at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the Albatross Theater, which will be streaming live on Twitch. <laughs> we got there. Friday, April 28th, you said? April 22nd. April 22nd. On the 28th, no one's going to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. I mean, we'll be there, but yeah. This is Bumble Horse. Yes, please join Eric, Nadia, and Ash. Yes, I'll be there as well. Yeah. Special guest TBD. (laughs) In the Albatross Theater on April 22nd at 6 p.m. EST. So excited for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just excited to go back to PAX. I mean, I went to PAX West mm-hmm, last year, mm-hmm. and it was definitely, you know, kind of a shell of its former self. And I know PAX East will be to a degree, but I'm just so glad to be going back to shows again, seeing all my friends in the industry, hanging out with you yeah. all. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Going to do a GVG fan meetup. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I mean, we should do a co-GVG Axe of the Blood God meetup. That'd be fun. Oh, sure. Let's do it. Just show up. Yeah, we're the friend that yeah. invites ourselves to your party, so we're nice. just along like, with all there. of our other friends. <laughs> Hell yeah, the more the merrier, I say. But the topic of the panel will be the state of Final Fantasy, and I know that everybody has lots of opinions. And if you can't make it to PAX East, it's okay because we'll be turning it into a segment on the podcast here on Axe of Blood God. Sadly, we will be not be doing a live recording next week because eric and nadia will be actually at pax east but we will be releasing an episode as usual next week the other thing that y'all should know we had promised a DD stream for april 17th it was going to be live streamed it's going to be an episode we got going to do a one shot we're delaying that stream it's still happening it's probably going to happen it's going to be happening on may 7th we need a little more time uh, to get it ready We want to make sure that this is a great experience for everybody. Uh, We really want to get this right. And hopefully we can turn it into something that is a little more long-term. So um, apologies. I know that we were promising that this is going to happen, but hopefully this can make it even bigger and better. Um, And also not on Easter. So May 7th is when the D&D stream is going to be happening on our brand new Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash blood god pod is that the is that the yep twitch.tv slash blood god pod made it easy and also because aobg was taken and acts of the blood god was way too long so (laughs) (laughs) so go and uh, follow us and subscribe because we're also going to be doing a charity stream during the summer so you want to get prepared it's gonna be fun all right it's time now to talk about what we are playing, the sacrifices that we are making to the Blood God. And Ash, you're a special guest. What have you been playing? Well, uh, after taking a little bit of a break for Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which I just recently 100%ed, loved it. I am now yeah. back to Good chipping. Job. Oh, I loved it. So I, Kirby's my favorite Nintendo character. It ain't even close. 
I love that little And yeah, it's a great game. But now that I'm done with that, I am back to chipping away at Horizon Forbidden West and just absolutely loving the experience. Uh, there's a lot to do in that game, uh, and I've been doing a lot of the side stuff, so I'm still somewhat early in the story, and yet I've all, all, almost already reached the level cap, and I'm, my game completion is like at 55%. So I'm really looking forward to all the lore dumps I'm about to get. But I just I love I love Zero Dawn. Cat knows I was a big fan of Zero Dawn. And I just love the Horizon universe and just the lore. And so I've just been absolutely devouring Forbidden West in my free time. I'm glad that you did, because it did kind of get run over by Elden Ring. Uh, so I, yeah. I feel so bad for Gorilla. Like, I really feel bad for it. <laughs> because before, first fine. it was Breath of the Wild. And now, no, yeah. I know it sold well and, and it was a success. I just mean to have all people that, are, to put all that work like into a game. Horizon, people are like, wow, that lost gem, Horizon Zero Dawn, that nobody ever talks about anymore. Come on. I know. I just mean that the conversation around it died so quickly due to Elden yeah. Ring. And after years of work, that just has to be a little deflating. That's all. I mean, I think Elden Ring would have steamrolled anything. Yeah. Literally yeah. anything. Yeah. Short yeah. of a new GTA, right? Yeah. So it's more than Horizon Zelda. has now ended up next to two I like, know generation massive games that that do incredible numbers and just get talked about forever. Like it's well, step up your game, Gorilla. Come on. It's a while. No, I think yeah. now every dev can't be a generational asking, game. No, every dev is going to start asking Gorilla when their next game is coming out, and they're going to try <laughs> yeah. and time it to like a week after. <laughs> Horizon Three is totally going to be flanked by like GTA Six or Elder Scrolls Six <laughs> yeah. or something. Breath of the Wild yeah. Two. Yeah. Calling Breath it now. The, yeah, right. I'm sure we'll talk more about Horizon Forbidden West when award season comes around because it is a beautiful so. game, one of the most beautiful God, games is. Uh, of this year. So. I think it'll be like Ratchet, right? Where it'll come out, oh, yeah. people will kind of be like, okay, but then we'll have a maybe a greater appreciation for it later in the year. Yeah, I mean, Ratchet ended up being my game of the year last year. I absolutely adored that entire experience, and so far, Forbidden West is certainly in the running for my you know favorite of the year, but it's not even halfway to the year yet, so who knows? Yeah. We'll see what happens. Nadia, what have you been playing? Well, Final Fantasy XIV 6.1 is out, and I finished the story portion of that. And I won't give any spoilers, but it's it's going in directions that are of very, very big interest to me. So when you see the to be continued for the uh, the story uh, prompt, it's like, ah, uh, now we got to wait. So I just started the raid, which has to do with the gods of Eorzea, and I, I can't really say much about that because I haven't gotten too far in the story. But yeah, just kind of cool to hang out with these characters again you know you, you i was gone for a while and then they're just like you know you stole still goth mommy or whatever she wants to call herself so everything's fine had fun uh beyond that <laughs> i am also as ash uh suggested playing kirby uh which i'm pretty close to being done i think uh i'm in the fire volcano land is that close ash uh, would you say yeah you're well you're getting there but there is a fairly beefy post game which you're going to want to play because it's actually okay. like it's canon to the story and it has a whole nother final boss battle and it's like the true ending right it's so, canon yeah how far is the ice world e. the that's a little more than halfway through the main portion of the game but again not counting the post game which itself is probably another five-ish hours give or wow. take it's just like a yeah. delightful little game i've come to realize that kirby's not really there to challenge you as a platformer it's there to challenge you as an explorer 
finding all those nooks and crannies and fuses and stuff. And it's very, very clever the way the game is designed. Not to mention just adorable. So uh, I think by the end of the year, this is going to be a game that I look back on and say, yeah, that was actually, you know, maybe not like 10 out of 10. Holy crap, A+. plus, But I really, really, really enjoyed it. Oh, I think it's an A-plus game. I think it's the best it's, Kirby game. And oh, it's, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's going to be on my top, top 10 for list me. for sure. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's, it's an incredible really, It's really funny to play this game, Kirby, alongside Elden Ring, which I'm also I'm pro- sure. trying to finish. Yeah. Because there's so many similarities that is actually unsettling. FromSoft and Kirby, like they both are excellent visual storytellers. And it's more, it's more unsettling with Kirby because Elden Ring, fine. You expect apocalypse and horrors and, you know... You see a dead body and you say, okay, that person had a story according to their surroundings and their their belongings. You have the same thing in Kirby, albeit less dead bodies. And you realize just how masterful these guys, how lots have always been at visual storytelling. So I really appreciate I, any studio that can do that. I cannot wait for both of you to get to the end of Kirby because one of my favorite things about the series is how Kirby gets a little weird at the end of, of, of his games and it gets a little eldritch abomination and gets really dark and messed up and forgotten land goes completely in on that. It does not. That's disappoint. what I'm here for. Yep. That's so I'm here look for. forward to that. Also, um, I just got to say, if you're going for hundred percent, expect Kirby to actually challenge you much like, you know, I've noticed other Kirby. it gets, there are actually really hard levels. Yeah. Where you get star pieces for upgrades for your weapons, which, um, by the way, the upgrades are freaking amazing. The buzzsaw is literally, he has a buzzsaw, like a thing on his head, a, a concrete cutter. <laughs> so Kirby has blades on his head. It's amazing. But the star pieces you need to get those upgrades, some of them are very challenging. I've had a couple where I've yeah. said, you know what? Screw this. I'm out. I don't know if I'll get to 100% it, but I yeah. can see why I would stick to it if I had the time. Yeah. By the end, the ch- the challenge is just surviving. There's a there's a boss yeah. gauntlet that you can take on at the very end. That it's just you got to survive it and and beat all these bosses one after another. And it's they're like powered up versions of the bosses, and it's genuinely yeah. difficult. Um, but the game is still the combat so fun. The soundtrack is phenomenal. That's I mean, great. Kirby music always is, but. I just, oh, I love this game, but I, it's funny. I know we're here to talk about Kingdom Hearts, but I could easily talk about Kirby just for just as long. Kirby's an RPG now. Yeah. Kirby. It is law. Kirby has devoured Acts of the Blood RPG. God, and now we are a Kirby podcast. Yeah. Yep. Finally. Sorry, everyone. Finally. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> One or the other. At long last. <laughs> long last. Ah, after 10,000 years, we have a Kirby podcast. It's time to conquer Earth. <laughs> Eric, what is your thing that you are playing I, sorry that was an awkward way of saying it what have you been playing <laughs> eric what are you doing uh i i had a weird week where i didn't really have much that you know i don't have a lot that i'm doing for work and so i always feel a little bit aimless when i don't have a looming embargo deadline waiting to chop my head off so uh i ended up replaying a bunch of sam barlow's games so i replayed her story and telling lies this week with a friend uh, who had never played it before and we played it over discord and basically i drove and they asked you know they 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 put in the queries and and searched through the clips and if you've never played those games you should absolutely play those games i think they're some of the best detective games ever made period and they are absolutely brilliant uh and if you want to replay them, find somebody, a friend, a loved one, a partner, whatever, a random person on the street who has never played these games and watch them Get try to figure me. them out. Because just seeing someone else try to piece those games together and follow threads, and especially how they differ from where you go, is phenomenal. It's so much fun. So 
that was a really good way to get back into those. I was kind of feeling the itch for playing something investigative and detective-y. So that really got there. And I started, I picked Elden Ring back up because I was like, I do still want to beat Elden Ring by the time the year's over. Uh, So the adventures of Wolverine Jesus are continuing. (laughs) Uh, Assuming new season. More more bodies are are being sent to, to Logan heaven. Uh, It's, it's a good game. I I don't know what, what I can say about it that I don't, you know, we haven't already talked about here before, but I do think uh, there is actually an aspect of this game that's making me not want to play it. And it's the PC performance still Mm. sucks. It's still bad. Right. Uh, Mm which is a real bummer because otherwise I've been enjoying it. But uh, there's something about the optimization on PC that is just not great. And so it also led to me like one night I just played some Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise because I heard the the end game and that is totally bonkers. And I want to see that, too. So I'm just kind of picking away at stuff. I'm seeing where everything goes. I'm kind of trying to figure out my way because we're in the waywardness of of april right there's nothing yeah. coming out this month there's no video games video games don't exist for four weeks and so i'm fine with that i need some time to catch up i was just uh, what you were saying reminded me of uh well speaking of both detective games and loved ones i was mentioning this during the pre-show but my wife and i are currently also playing through great ace attorney 2 and it we're we're closing in on the end of the game and it's just fantastic peak ace attorney content and uh so i'm also working on that as for me, I was just in Minnesota visiting my family and some old friends, so I didn't really have a ton of time to play games. Mostly I was focused on playing uh, Kirby, which I'm kind of making steady progress in that one. Nice. I am intending on picking up Elden Ring as well. I haven't really had a lot of time for video games. I know, the irony, right? But right. at some point I do want to pick up Persona 5 or Dragon Quest 11 during this little interim period so that I can actually properly finish them off. Ash, I know that you're a huge Dragon Quest 11 fan and at some point oh, we'll do yes. a big deep dive into yes. that one. Oh, it's a great game. I love it. Yeah. Probably a top three JRPG for me, honestly. And I, it was my first Dragon Quest game and I, I never had gotten into oh, the series. Really? Yeah. And then I, uh, I played the demo one. and I loved it. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I think I'm going to like this, but I'm not sure. The story seems like it's a little bit slow to start. And Derek, my my GVG colleague uh, and co-founder, he was like, dude, yeah, the, the start is a bit slow, but just trust me. Just trust yeah. me. And I stuck with it, and I was like, this is a top three JRPG. Oh, my God. And I went all the way. Act three, everything. The end yeah, of Act two was one, one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in a game. The end of Act two was there, straight I up. I actually wrote about that for uh-huh. US Gamer. There's... There's a scene or two in there that's really, really hard. Like mm-hmm. Dragon Quest, when it goes hard, it goes really hard. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all of this. And it's on my backlog. It's also on our top 25 RPG remake list as it a is. possible candidate. Who knows? Could make it. All right. That's it for what we've been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. California governor's office has been accused of interfering interfering in the Activision Blizzard case. Gavin Newsom at it again. Oh, Gavin, you scallywag, you. Aspire <laughs> Media. Aspire Media is acquiring Beamdog. Beamdog is the studio behind 
uh, that was founded by BioWare alum Trent Oster and is behind many of the Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment updates. They're working on a brand new game called Myth Force. It's a shooter, so you don't have to worry about it. Bandai Namco is working with Nintendo on a mystery re- remaster. Ash, let it be Star Fox Assault. Come on. Uh, that's not what I, I had three other words in mind. Completely three different. Uh, I was going to say Kid Icarus Uprising, but you know what? Yes. I'll, yeah. I'll give Star Fox Assault. Now we're that's talking. what I want nah. more than anything. Please. I want Kid Icarus. Star Fox yeah. is fine, but I want Kid Icarus Star Fox, uh, Uprising. The problem with Kid Icarus Uprising is that it's too... Uh, how shall we say touch oriented? It was based on the three. So they can. That's why they're remastering. The, yeah, it, they can yeah. make it a twin uh, stick so they, shooter. So completely style. redoing it from scratch. In other words. Yeah, yeah. That's not a remaster. It's a remake. Whatever they want to call it, they can call it like the Revenge of the Zucchini People. For all I care, they, they just want to play. <laughs> yeah. Has some of yeah, the don't best use writing. Science in here. The same <laughs> wonderful <video> characters. <laughs> it does right. The same wonderful it characters. Does. Story, voice acting with just new controls. That's all we need. Yep. Just new. That's controls. all it takes. That's all it takes. Oh, that's all it takes. I'm glad it was that yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. Well, damn right it. We need it. We deserve Brand it. Brand new controls, new graphics, all mm-hmm. the, the whole. Mm-hmm. Nah, mm-hmm. just remaster Star Fox Assault. Come on, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes will be starring not Byleth, and will pitch you against Byleth. I have no <laughs> idea what that means, but Eric, can you elaborate? You play as a character called Shez, and that's about all we got. You got to team name? up against the Ashen Shez. Demon Byleth. It looks like they're doing an alternate timeline sort of thing. Uh, but the footage, uh, footage Shez, looked neat. Fire Emblem. Yeah, but yeah, Shez. Shez is there. And also, there were longing looks between male Shez and Claude. So give me what I want. Give me what <laughs> okay, I want, Nintendo. Fair. Make it happen. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo that sounds like an alternate new... timeline. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. Nintendo has purchased a new plot of land in Kyoto, suggesting that it is part of their ongoing efforts to expand their R&D. Advanced Wars 1 and 2 unlocked early for a player. They're lucky. I mean, they can they get one month to finish it, so you better hurry. Oh, Nintendo and, uh, already canceled it. Yeah, they already <laughs> No, but they're in airplane mode, so it's fine. I thought they said Nintendo already swooped in and was like, but they can still play it. It's just that it will stop working if they. The second it connects. Fanbyte actually got in touch with them and talked to them about it. Oh, okay. Okay. Stick it to them. And in hyper specific, Eric only cares voice VN news, a type visual novel. Visual novel news. There you go. A type moon visual novel. (laughs) Eric, do you want to explain this to me? I got this. Y'all, (laughs) y'all. A Tight Moon visual novel is getting officially translated in, into English for the first time. If you know what Fate Stay Night is, if you if you know what Tsukihime is, if you don't know what those are, you've probably you know someone in your life who knows what those things are. They have never been officially translated into English. They have announced that Witch in the Holy Night, which is coming out on PS4 and Switch, is going to have an English language option. This is huge for like the five of you in this Discord that also love visual novels. This is for us. This is our win. We get a win today. So celebrate. A win for Eric. Very happy. Win for Eric. (laughs) But our top story. Just a reminder that I did help localize a visual novel called Variable Barricade and uh, by access and you should play it. Nadia with the plug. Nadia's nostalgia plug. (laughs) (laughs) But our top story is a win for Ash. That is Kingdom Hearts 4 officially being announced. Uh, It was the trailer was shown during the 20th anniversary showcase. 
along with Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, <laughs> a mobile game. Uh, Sora's in the Quadratum, the mysterious world from Remind and other recent teases. Uh, there was a, a new trailer. Star Wars is apparently in this one. There's a lot going Maybe. on here. And here to break it down with us is our big biggest Kingdom Hearts fan, Ash. Ash, how are you feeling about, what was it called, the Lost Master arc? Yeah, the Lost Master, it's just so, it seems to be the beginning of a new arc, and Nomura has already gone on record saying that is why the logo is is a different style now, because it's representative of a new arc in the story. And I think my favorite thing about this is, well, two things. One, you know, given how long it took us to get from Kingdom Hearts 2 to 3, I figured we were at least like five years out from even an That's announcement I thought. I'm of Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, but we're going straight to four. And my favorite thing about it is that Sora is still the, the main protagonist. They're not doing the whole sidelining the protagonist for, you know, Yozora or Riku, at least in, in so far as we know. But as you guys know, Sora is my boy. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. And I would have been deeply disappointed in a Kingdom Hearts four that didn't star him and focus on him, given how Kingdom Hearts three ended. So I'm just so happy he's already back and we're getting this next game and we don't have to wait i mean we do have to wait it's going to be a few years before it comes out but we don't have to wait for it to be announced so i think i heard someone on twitter i saw someone on twitter say that basically sora's in the kingdom equivalent kingdom hearts equivalent of hell which would be our planet which would make a lot of sense maybe right yeah Yeah, purgatory afterlife yeah i was thinking of uh the god it was so groundbreaking when it came out but the episode of the simpsons for homer enters the real world. And he's like, this is the worst place yet. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. what I thought of when I saw Sora. Plus Sora got doxxed. That's, what that's do you the mean only thing he got doxxed. That, that, this is a sentence that only makes sense in, tw- in 2022. But like he, he's in a, there's a scene where he's in some apartment in, in Tokyo that exists. It's a thing uh-huh. someone found. And they found yeah, it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know Yama, that. which is the super upscale part of Tokyo. And that's how they and figured so, out whoever's taking care of Sora has like massive funny. money because they're in mm-hmm. a real rich part they of got, Tokyo. They got cash. That's okay. so funny. Sugar, sugar white. I love now. the specificity that is going mm-hmm. on with mm-hmm. all of that. I just think it's hilarious that Sora got doxxed. That's all. I, I think it's the most one of those really Sora absurd got things. Feet that- is the revelation of that trailer. We finally have confirmation that Sora has normal sized human feet and not giant right? clown no shoes. Yeah, no right. Ronald McDonald shoes anymore. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. I'm glad we locked this in. Yeah, it's a subtle redesign. <laughs> He's older now, I think. So, what do you think of the redesign, Ash? Since you're the biggest Sora stan here. Um, I, I, I think it works for the world he's in because Nomura has already said in an interview that the reason Sora looks like that is because he's in Quadratum and that the reason that he included that bit with Donald and Goofy at the end was to like let fans know that, you know, the art, the overall aesthetic of the game hasn't changed across the board. Sora just looks like that because he's in some representation of the real world and that he wouldn't necessarily look like that in Disney worlds, which whichever oh ones will be. Are we going to see like it? an actual animal duck and an actual animal dog for like, I know, right. I'm a little, I'm kind of hoping we don't get Donald and Goofy in quadratum at all. Cause that scares (laughs) that idea scares. No, that's a real good dog in one of those like Halloween outfits and a duck wearing a sailor suit. Like that's Japan. It's a land of mascots. They could probably get away with it if they're big enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think he looks cool. Um, I, I don't love his new outfit. I I think I like kingdom hearts threes more and definitely twos more. 
Uh, I just don't like the design as much, but I still think he looks cool. He looks older, as he should. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're finally veering away from Nomura's weird obsession with reusing younger Sora for games that, you know, it doesn't really make sense that he would be younger in, like, Dream Drop Distance. So, yeah, I right. think he looks great. Uh, I'm just happy to, to have him here and, and to get right back to knowing or finding out what's going to happen to him. What's, you know, all I want is for this kid to have a happy ending. He's got to get back to Kyrie. And then, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 happened the way it did. And he's never I'm, going I'm, to have I'm, a happy ending. I yeah. know. I, he's got a whole new Probably arc. Not. Hey, maybe at the end of this arc, I'm, I, I don't know. I, but I am on this crazy, weird, wonderful, ridiculous ride until the very end or until I expire, whichever King, happens first. Sora is trapped in, <laughs> Sora is now trapped in Quantum Leap. He's uh-huh, just going to uh-huh. be leaping. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Every new game he hopes will be the leap home. Mm-hmm. Pops up in the Encanto world and is like, where am I? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> am I imagining things or did it say it was on Unreal Engine 5 or was that something else that was? There, there are rumors that it's on Unreal Engine. Um, I don't know because if they've said would, anything officially yet. I would think that yet. the expedience, probably the fact that Square Enix is finally saying, okay, you know what? We're using other people's engines now. No more in-house stuff. So that might be kind of helping them unclog the chute, which is a really bad metaphor. I'm sorry. What I've read so far uh, indicates that the gameplay we saw in the trailer is running on Unreal Engine 4, but that they're shifting mm-hmm. full development mm-hmm. to Unreal right. Engine 5. Yeah, yeah. to Unreal yeah. 5. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. There was a Famitsu interview in which we learned that Kingdom Hearts 4 will not be related to The World Ends With You's Shibuya, right. which appears to be shooting down one particular fan theory. Uh, Nomura also plans to explore how Quadratum is fictional, but from its denizens' perspective, Sora and Company's world is fiction. Interestingly, yeah, enough. it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I try. I read it like fourteen times. Question mark? Question mark? Sense. Question mark? <laughs> I well, what I got from that is that it's you know they they call Quadratum the world of fiction uh, at the end of Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, and so I think what it is, it's like a perspective thing, right? From Sora's perspective, they're in their own world, and that's the real world. And Verum Rex is a video game, like the, a world of fiction. But now he's it's somehow the never in Verum Rex. Story. Yeah, right. And so now he's somewhat somehow in Verum Rex, which, to their perspective, is the real world. And video games, I guess, mm-hmm. like Kingdom Hearts, maybe they'll maybe there will be like a video game version of Kingdom Hearts that people play in Quadratum. I mean, who knows what they're doing with this? Plus, there's the whole just 4D chess element of Yozora being Noctis from Versus 13, essentially. Yeah. yeah. We used Noctis, you know, and I don't even, <laughs> I, I just feel like Nomura's like, you know what? You didn't let me make my game. I'm doing it yeah. anyway. Screw you. And yeah, it's oh, wild, my man. F- my favorite meme that came out of this was, uh, it was the Trojan horse and I posted it in the Discord, but it, it's like walking up to Square Enix and it's Tetsuya Nomura with the Trojan horse. And it says uh, Kingdom Hearts 4 on the outside, but it has Final <laughs> Fantasy Versus 13 on the inside. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. A few other items. Battle commands from Kingdom Hearts 2 are back. And there is something called the Scrap and Build system. So we're getting some early hints of gameplay. However... We will not know more about Kingdom Hearts 4 until well after E3. And if it follows a similar timeline to other Kingdom Hearts games after being announced, oh, we, I don't know, we've probably got another <laughs> five be years before this game actually comes out. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, the, he, that's why I mentioned the engine thing, because I think that might help things a bit. It's not the Hopefully. engine. It's about all the approvals and oh, designing each yeah. world. And Nomura is famously exacting. And mm-hmm. the development goes perf- painfully slow. That is Somehow how I forgot goes. about the Disney element here. Maybe because we didn't see like practically anything Disney except for Goofy and, and Donald. Speaking of the Disney element, I just want to touch on the Star Wars thing uh, really quickly. In our Stars of Destiny live chat, Beware the Slimes was wondering which Star Wars movie it could be possibly featuring because it seems inevitable that there will be a Star Wars movie. We saw an ATST foot, apparently, in the teaser with um, uh, Donald and Goofy. And so if it's an ATST, theoretically, that should mean that it's either Return of the Jedi or something else, right? Did they it, have the ATSTs yeah. in uh, the Last Jedi? I, th- thought, I thought they had them in the Force Awakens. I thought they had some in the Force Awakens. They might have had some in the Force Awakens, not in Last Jedi. Last Jedi had its own weird collection of vehicles. I think that they're going to stick to the safe Star Wars, so it's going to be Jedi because people don't have very oh, I, con- uh, I'm going very angry way. feelings about Jedi. I think. I think they stick with Force Awakens because it's the new trilogy and they're really trying to sell people on the new stuff, which is like, look at Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga keeps putting a lot of the new trilogy stuff forward. But it also like Force Awakens is the one it's literally a new hope. It is essentially the same movie as a new hope. And I say that lovingly because I like both of those movies. Yeah, I liked it very much, but it is essentially a new hope and it's enough of a new hope that they can bring in something modern, but still have a lot of those good star Wars feelings associated with it, but have characters right. like Ray and Kylo. Cause I will, I will admit misgivings about episode nine aside, heartless Kylo Ren would rip. That would be I sick. loved Kylo. Be I thought Kylo so was on board with that. I thought Adam driver was good. I thought he Kylo was. was the most interesting thing about the, the follow-ups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really liked Ray too. I, I think fighting alongside Ray in your party with Sora would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, It'd be great. Yeah, like those are good characters. And you know what? It's great that they just made two movies with them and then stop there and and really let you imagine <laughs> where the universe could go from there. <laughs> yeah, right. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that I think that Disney is very keen to forget these sequel movies. I feel like even that though- too. I do even too. though the Lego Star yeah. Wars, I, it was a given that Lego Star Wars would be leaning on them heavily because I believe it's the first time that we've had the full trilogy in Lego Star Wars. But as Book of Boba Fett showed, Disney is trying to soft reboot Star Wars mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. and be like, no, no, mm-hmm. forget about what happened with Luke and the Jedi Temple. Here he is. He's He's teaching Grogu. It's fine. Everything is okay now. You have your Luke Skywalker back. Look, he was being a total badass. In, yeah, uh, yeah. in the station look cool badass mm-hmm. Luke is here and that don't these are worry not the about Star Wars movies you're looking trilogy. for yeah yeah <laughs> exactly give me the prequels and I want the prequels in these games they're leaning, in the pre- they're leaning into the prequels right now I mean Star mm-hmm. Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi is just prequel mania and right. General Grievous is basically a heartless it's all like it's preset you've got <laughs> uh-huh. it yeah. There's no ATSTs in the prequel movies, which tells we'll me that they're it. going. We'll fudge it. It's all good. <laughs> Beware the Slimes was suggesting that it could be Rogue One. 
a Star Wars story. That is way too dark Maybe, of a story I don't, I don't for, think, Star, I think, for, for Kingdom Hearts. So they all die? Yeah. I mean, isn't this, a, isn't this kind of a, a dark story anyway, right? The world they don't, I mean, destroyed. that's true. It, Sora it's is, T for yeah. teen, though. It's T for teen. Like, it's, it's dark in that they're like, oh, I feel really sad and my friends are struggling. Like... But you don't see people get murked <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts. Like, no one gets shot. To be fair, though, Donald did sacrifice his life at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. He's brought For back every time you want shenanigans. He didn't get shot. <laughs> True, but he did die. We watched Donald Duck die on screen. And in Kingdom Hearts 2, Goofy got struck in the head by a boulder and almost died. So... Yeah, but that I, was I mean, hilarious. I can't believe I'm, it was so funny. I can't believe I'm saying, as I hear the words coming out of my mouth, I'm like, I can't believe this wonderful series Donald even Duck exists. sacrificed his life so that I Sora might live. I can't Why believe this series exists. That's I kids' movie stuff right there. I'm sorry, right. but that's no, no, like, right. no, yeah. no one's my getting stabbed in that. No, even, no, for sure. Even Force Awakens might be too dark because someone does get stabbed in The Force Awakens. Right. And they have not done like the Keyblade is not a stabbing instrument. I don't know if you've thought about the physics of the Keyblade before. Up. It, it could rip someone open pretty good, though. I mean, some like, some Keyblades are like Riku's was Riku's if current Keyblade. Really I think is. Yeah, Riku's mouth, could stab somebody, but Sora's is yeah. just going to beat somebody. To yeah, death, that's true. Which that's would true. be much darker for <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. The so they really like, should go that way. It could be done. Yeah, I could one teach more him. possibility: the Mandalorian. Have Sora. the Mandalorian would be fun. The San- the Mandalorian would be fun. Hey, hanging out with Pedro Pascal, and also there's a whole episode of The Mandalorian with an ATST. It's not a great episode, but it's there. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I agree with you though, Kat. I think it's going to be original trilogy, and I feel like probably Return of the Jedi. Like I just kind of that's the feeling yeah, I get. That's the silliest if one. It is Star having Wars. having Riku hang out with Ewoks makes I know way too much sense. <laughs> the yeah. Darth Vader turn could work really well with Kingdom Hearts, like. Vader, you know, you work with Luke the whole time, but you have a fight against Vader and you're like, Father, you need to see the light inside you. And he's like, mm, oh, yeah. yes. And then he suplexes no, no. Palpatine <laughs> off the side. Uh-huh. Smash cut, exterior, Death Star, Millennium Falcon, an X-Wing, an A-Wing, and a gummy ship fly gummy into sh- the Death Star oh, yeah. superstructure. <laughs> gummy ship yes. trench run, finally. <laughs> I'm all about finally it. Finally useful. We all um, into this. I, I do want to take this chance to ask you all, since we're talking about, you know, really popular Disney owned live action properties, Star Wars obviously is hinted at in the trailer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know, the conversation eventually has to naturally turn to the question of, are we going to see anything from Marvel in this game? Are we going to see Sora so. teaming up with Iron Man and Thor? And is it possible? It is, uh, is Thanos our new heartless or our new, you know, big bad. <laughs> it's yeah. Maybe it's certainly possible. Like, like maybe one character. Like, I think if they did a Spider-Man mm-hmm. world like they did the Big Hero 6 world, that would work really well. That could I just cool. would be too worried that trying to get the Avengers in, you're, you're, you're kind of playing an all or nothing game, right? Do you put all of the Avengers in and make this giant world that is honestly its own game? Or do you focus on one character and make it about their story and then lose kind of the larger, broader picture, which is what makes the MCU interesting. So right, right. I, I think totally you got to pick someone like Spider-Man that can really stand alone. Plot twist. That's how they get X-Men into the MCU. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, that would be dear. pretty damn cool though. Like just, yes. Yeah, teaming up with Spider-Man. Like I'm not even the, the biggest fan of, of the idea of Star Wars and Marvel being in Kingdom Hearts, but the more I think about individual specific stuff like that 
being in Spider-Man's world and teaming up with him would be pretty damn cool. I got Sora say. in Venom. Oh, geez. Yeah, Venom yeah. would be yeah. a great Heartless. Can you imagine like, Venom hanging out with Sora? Like, that would be something else. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be into mm-hmm. it. I would play Kingdom Hearts just I would for that. Too. Hear me I out. The MCU is currently uh, obsessed with multiverses, and Kevin Feige likes to make as much as possible canon. Yeah, yeah. Sora appears in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> and now Sora is canonically part of the MCU. That's amazing. Strange just like <laughs> opens a door and sees like the dive to the heart and hears Simple and Clean playing in the background. And he's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> We're not going to Kingdom Hearts. Tis a silly place and closes it and walks away. Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't put it past past him to for him to make, uh, you know, Sora's appearance in Smash canon somehow. I don't even yeah, know how he'd yeah. do it, but it, I wouldn't put it past him. Like, the, you know, especially after the whole versus 13 thing, I don't really think there's anything he won't do in terms of uh, just wild. Kingdom Hearts is so dumb. I love it. Here's <laughs> it's my question. Wonderful. Yeah. What Disney properties do we want in Kingdom Hearts 4? I don't think Moana was in Kingdom Hearts 3. Am mm-hmm. I right? No. Not, yeah. No. Uh, no. I would love to see Moana, Moana in Kingdom Hearts great. 4. Yeah. And King, personally, turning red oh, would be a super fun. Turning red, I mean, put you know, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it either. Really good things. Okay, I really, really want to see the Incredibles make it into Kingdom Hearts. I Incredibles that would, would be, be fun. yeah, that would be That'd such be a fun world. Fighting alongside all the family members, I feel like could be so cool. Mm-hmm. Syndrome's a mm-hmm. cool ass villain. Like, I yeah. think that would be a lot of fun. Make the make the villain Jack Jack just out of control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, the baby's killing us all. I think Encanto would make a really good one because you've got all the families and the powers. There's like already a really good narrative there. And then the house itself would be a really fun level to mess around in. You could do all sorts of twisting, winding things and going through the different doors. It would be, I, I think that feels tailor made for a good kingdom hearts level. And, and also like Encanto, you could have a little bit more fun with it because it is a magical world and hopefully they would try and get the story a little bit more involved with Sora and the rest and not have it be like frozen again. Have some of that tied in, you know, that'd be fun. But yeah, I think Encanto would be a, a smash. smash. I don't think that. Disney's had anything on the level of Frozen since. So I don't think they're going to try shoehorning anything me? in. I would say oh, Encanto is on the frozen. level. Was Mulana bigger than? Fr- I haven't seen Mulana, believe it or not. And f- and in fact, Encanto might be bigger than Frozen because yeah. think everybody so? talks. Nobody talks about Bruno. Is that the name of the song? We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> no, it uh, no, it surpassed no. uh, the other song, the Frozen song. Oh, yeah, but I mean, Frozen was just such a. It was like a, a real phenomenon, like pop culture thing that every damn yeah. kid was into, singing "Let It Go." Everyone's singing Encanto songs. I don't know, I, but I, I kind of agree with you, Nadia. I kind of I feel like I still see uh, Elsa and Anna just in general way yeah. more than I do Moana. Like, and, and I'm not saying yeah, that's right just, because I thought like Moana was better. She's like a permanent princess now, quote unquote. Like, yeah, kind of like Cinderella, like has that same staying power. Right. Have they done right. Princess and the Frog yet? Do Princess and they the Frog? Haven't, they haven't. And I would like yet. them to. I would love that. Yeah. I, I would I also really just like novel. revisit yeah. a revisit a disney renaissance movie like lion king mm. just for mm-hmm. our, for us olds did they ever do right. sleeping beauty they never did sleeping beauty right they had, they had maleficent don't they yeah, they did they did they did yeah, do maleficent sleeping beauty in is... uh, birth by I thought, sleep i thought they like oh they did in birth by sleep okay. yeah i believe okay. it was birth by sleep they yeah 
or it was if not birth by sleep it was uh, a fragmentary passage i think one of those two sleeping beauty stuff uh did appear because they've always like found ways to kind of tie in some stuff because there's like cinderella stuff in kingdom hearts but Mm -hmm. i don't think they've done a cinderella level they actually know i'm suddenly going back through my mind now so this, in Birth by Sleep, it was problem. actually both. I don't remember yeah. Birth by Sleep well Okay. <laughs> yeah. So both Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella were in Birth by Sleep. Okay. But I think okay. only that Do game. Pinocchio, yeah. but do it well. Don't just do have Robin Hood. Well. Where's Disney's Ooh. Robin Hood? Oh, there you go. I would actually argue, Kat, that they already did do Pinocchio well in Dream Drop Distance with Prankster's Paradise. Yeah. It was way better than mm-hmm. Monstro. So much better. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I, I want Robin Hood. Furry Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'd be that a good would, time. That's a great movie. Yeah. We we did that we did a a, a stage performance of that in grade in grade 7. Oh, really? Was... Mm. <laughs> Nadia's all like, "I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me." <laughs> yeah. There's a really terrible story I have that's very R-rated that I can't really I I guess I shouldn't repeat. Well, I oh. don't know. <laughs> If not here, Nadia, I want to I want to hear the story over beers next week at PAX East. I have we could to do R rated <laughs> Nadia's nostalgia pit in. A, yeah. In the post show. Live. Yeah. That's what we do at GVG as well. The post shows get really spicy. We, we we save all of our spiciest content for our post shows at GVG. So I get it. <laughs> Nadia's yeah, right. R-rated post show is on. <laughs> if you want to hear Nadia's R-rated nostalgia fit, join us for the post show on the Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. All right, before we move on from Kingdom Hearts, Ash, as Mr. Kingdom Hearts, I got to know, what is your biggest hope? What are your hopes and dreams for Kingdom Hearts 4? Please share them for us. I mean, my I kind of already did, and even though I know, I know full well this isn't going to happen because it is the start of a new arc. But all I really want is for Sora to get a happy ending and get back to Kyrie because they're so damn cute. And I, mm-hmm. I'm i all about that, you know, cute love story stuff. I think, you know, we finally got that Sora and Kyrie fan service in Kingdom Hearts 3, only for them to pull a fast one and send Sora off to the afterlife in Kingdom Hearts 4. But um, beyond that, my hope is that it just does remain Sora's story. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of the sidelining the main character trope that some series do. Uh, Nadia knows probably exactly where I'm going with this, but my favorite character ever is Mega Man X, and yet his own series is mainly Zero's series, and then Zero goes to get you know goes on to get his own series as well. And I just don't like when the character is sidelined for the rival or for the anti-hero, you know. So keep it Sora's story. I don't want it to become Yozora's story, Riku's story. Keep it all about my boy. That's the main hope that I have is that it remains his story through and through. Justice for Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kyrie deserves mm-hmm. way better, though. Ag- agreed. And if mm-hmm. if there was going to be another playable character in four, I would like it to be Kyrie because Remind finally did right by her, even though it lasted for like all of an hour. Remind finally let her do some cool stuff and she deserves way better. So, yeah, I'm really hoping Kyrie is somehow playable, even though I don't know how that would work story-wise, given that they're in completely different universes now, like realities. So you have Kyrie like 
like cut away like the Witcher 3 does with Siri. You like cut away and Kyrie's like working with Aqua and Terra and and the master right. and all that. They're like doing their own search and then you could cut to like Donald and Goofy doing their thing in hell, I guess. It's kind of yeah. a kind of a dunk <laughs> by the way that the first place that Donald and Goofy went to look for Sora was hell. Yeah, literally <laughs> so, underworld. Hell? Well, because mm-hmm, I think at mm-hmm. the end that's Hades there. So I think it's supposed it's yeah, actually yeah. literally meant to be the underworld. Yeah. From, They're like, where do we uh, think Sora ended up? <laughs> Probably hell. Hell. I saw yeah. a meme where Donald and Goofy were walking and talking at the end of that trailer, and they're like, Goofy's like, I don't know, but I sure hope he can help us. And then you see a flash of blue and like the first two seconds of Megalovania just did it oh and then it stops. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? Undertale um, world, do it. <laughs> One thing I do want to touch on really quick before we move on is that I was uh, going through the translation of this uh, Nomura interview about Kingdom Hearts 4, and I think I might have called it. One of the points from the interview is one of the central story ideas will be exploring how Sora's home realm is fictitious to Quadratum natives and vice versa, which is essentially what I was saying. I think they're going to see Sora's, you know, the Kingdom Hearts games as a fiction, as a fictitious universe. Ah. And I, that's So that mm. could be really interesting. I'm... God, I can't wait for this game, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, we don't know when Kingdom Hearts 4 is going to be coming out, but hopefully we'll get more information soon. If only so Ash doesn't go completely nuts, or maybe he Explode. will. With all I might speculation. anyway. Yeah, I might anyway. But I don't I don't think we're seeing this game in, until like 2024 at the earliest. Like, if we're lucky, the, yeah. If we're lucky. If we're lucky. So, yeah. yeah, but I can't wait. I can't wait. In something that's happening a little sooner, hopefully, uh, we got some more cyberpunk information. First of all, we learned during today's CD Projekt full-year earnings call, uh, they said that they are fully committed to Cyberpunk 2077 as a franchise and that a expansion, a large one, will be coming out in 2023. But more importantly... The Witcher 3 next-gen version has been indefinitely delayed. Uh, CD Projekt said that it is not trapped in quote-unquote development hell. It's much more likely that because the Witcher 3 next-gen version was being worked on by Saber Interactive, which is based in Russia, that they had to bring all of the development in-house. So Mm -hmm. the Ukraine conflict ended up impacting that, though they would not specifically say so um the question i kind of have here is cd project is not done with the cyberpunk franchise but eric are you are you done with the cyberpunk franchise or are you still in i mean was i ever in but i'm more in against my will than anything i think you're more uh, in than like anybody i'm the most in of this group for sure uh and that's only because friend of the show kenneth shepherd handcuffed me to the anchor and dropped me off the boat but (laughs) uh it's i i am interested in seeing what they do with more cyberpunk because i think patch 1.5 at least got it to a place where you could see like what they wanted to show from the outset now whether that end result is something that is worthy of you know excitement worthy of praise yeah that's another question entirely but at least they got to the baseline that that game probably should have been at at launch it's got some cool stuff in there now they're saying we're moving forward with that expansion that we've been talking about 2023 uh but they had a graph in the investor call where you could see how they've kind of been 
moving development resources down and down on Cyberpunk to work on other right. things. They've got their new Witcher game that they announced on, on Unreal 5. They've got some Gwent spinoff that's happening, like a, a weird standalone Gwent spinoff. They've got uh, Molasses Flood that they're working with, which is the, the studio of the Flame and the Flood that they acquired is working on an unannounced project in one of their franchises. It really seems like CD project is expanding out. And so they're not necessarily done with cyberpunk, but I think the finish line for cyberpunk 2077, the video game is, is looking like it's actually in sight somewhere around the time that this expansion comes around. That's the like general gist that I'm getting from this. The thing that I found interesting was that they said, we have canceled the R and D for the multiplayer version of Cyberpunk 2077 in the Red Engine, but said that they have gained access to the multiplayer assets of Unreal Engine. And my first thought was, okay, but what does that mean? Does does that mean Cyberpunk multiplayer is dead? What is going on here? Probably something standalone, I would yeah. imagine. The same way that Naughty Dog took Last of Us Part Two and was like, we got to finish the single player side of this thing and then broke the multiplayer stuff out from it. So ostensibly some sort of last of us multiplayer exists, but it's separate. I mean, blizzards even doing this right now with overwatch Two, where the multiplayer is separated out from this PVE campaign that they want to work on. And whether that's a sign of the times with COVID, whether that's just because development is so intensive on games nowadays, it's, it's all of the above and more, but <laughs> Uh, it, it makes at least a little bit of sense that they probably looked at the red engine and said, especially with the way it worked on last gen consoles versus current gen consoles, it'll yeah. be better for us in the long run. If we start looking at other options that aren't the red engine. So that is a I, big and painful transition. For oh, Project. it is. They invested so much in this engine. It means that effectively you are completely changing all of your engineers and everything on the back end. So it's, yeah. it's a pretty momentous change. Um, uh, during the actual call, CD Projekt was describing this as a transformational year in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, as bet. they basically completely realigned all of their development processes and introduced um, something they're calling agile teams. Um, so hopefully... The upshot of all this is that their development process is much smarter and the next game that they put out isn't nearly as messed up as, say, uh, The Witch or as Cyberpunk 2077. Cool. I, I'm sorry, I don't have much to add here because I, I didn't play Cyberpunk and I I don't know, around the time Cyberpunk was like a thing, I, I was thinking about playing it, but then the whole thing happened with CD Projekt Red's Twitter account saying some gross things. Right, and I'm right. like, you know what? I don't want to mm -hmm. support these people. Um, and yeah, so I just, I didn't play it for that reason. And I just, yeah, I, so I don't really yeah, have that much to say. Yeah, their social media team sure was a thing, wasn't it? It sure yep. was. And, uh, yeah, as I understand it, it though, that's not the case anymore, right? They've kind of, they've kind of changed course. Yeah, they, Is that They learned right? a lesson there. there yeah. There's okay. been well, some cleanup good. as far as I know. That's, that's good at least. My, my perspective is that, um, a social media team could be very different from another team within a company. Like companies sure. are mono monolithic. Right. They can all have very different personalities, not excusing what the social media team was doing. And of course, mm -hmm. CDPR was enabling it, but I just wanted right. to point that out. The question I was going to no, ask totally you, Ash, fair. is, is there literally anything that could happen to get you to play Cyberpunk 2077? 
Um, I, yeah, I'm not against playing it. It's just I think I would need a pocket universe where I can create more gaming time for myself because it's not that I don't want to play Cyberpunk. It's just not high enough in my priority list for me to really have time to get to it. It's like it's that's really what it comes down to is just a lack of free time. And I have to really pick and choose the meaty games that I play, right? Like Horizon Forbidden West. I'm barely halfway through that game, despite it coming out two months ago. And so I got to really pick and choose my battles when it comes to long games these days. It's all about priorities. I understand. Exactly. It's all about priorities. And Cyberpunk is, is, it certainly interests me, but not enough for me to, you know, move it to the top of the pile. Well, my priority right now is this week in GeckoCon, Persona 3, week two. Yes, I am in the process of playing through Persona 3 Portable day by day and reporting my experiences here on Acts of the Blood God. Honestly, I need a chime or something. I need a a sound drop so that we know that we're getting into this week in GeckoCon, something Persona-y. This week in Persona 3, I only had one day. It was my birthday, April 9th. And I uh, appropriately fought a giant shadow beast and discovered my power. <laughs> discovered that I have the power do. of Persona by trying to shoot myself in the head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. That was the thing that happened. Yeah, was right. the uh, evoker, yeah. I think they're called. Yep. I forgot about that. Because Yukari is all like... Yeah, I, I really don't have the nerve to put a revolver to my head and pull fair. the trigger, which totally Atlas would fair. say, it's not a gun, it's an evoker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a gun. I, I was still say like, that's what I like about Persona 3 is that I feel like by 5, they kind of smooth it over a little bit. Definitely with 4, where they're just like, you you have a card that you play and you have sunglasses or whatever. At least in 5, you like tear the mask off and there's always that like very visceral like yeah, ripping the of the mask. But yeah. Persona 3 was like, no, nah, we're Shin Megami Tensei. Like, what do you think this game is? We're fighting demons. Like, we're going to go to some dark places here. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, that, that whole concept and imagery of the evoker and shooting yourself in the head caused a bit of a kerfuffle among oh, you know like yeah. Oh, yeah. watchdog yeah. groups I and concerned that. parties and mm-hmm, all that mm-hmm. yeah which i mean it obviously if you it play the game weird in context, context. There's no issue. yeah out of context yeah. so it looks really bad mm-hmm. to be fair yeah i no, went I to forgot. class with junpei and mm-hmm. junpei was telling me that i should go to sleep and i was like hell no i'm not gonna go to sleep i'm a, I'm a good student and then I stayed awake and I got an increase in my academics. And I was like, take that, Junpei Yori. Nice. I would <laughs> Very sleep. Good. I would honestly go to sleep. I'm going to be at the top yeah, of my yeah. class. Uh, the thing is, I only got to play one day. And it was a cool segment. I really enjoy the soundtrack in Persona 3 so far. I think it might secretly be my favorite. But you know, they're all good, right? But It's hard uh, to choose, yeah. It's yeah. hard to beat five a lot, like in parts of four. Like, it's all oh, the great. Persona Five has the most expansive soundtrack, I think. Yeah, three has some real bangers in it, though. It does. Like, it does. Some <laughs> really great ones. Yeah. Da, 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 da. The bummer of Persona Three Portable is that it does not have the anime cutscenes. Oh, mm, yeah, that's yeah. True. There are multiple instances where I recall it uh, jumping to an anime cutscene in the original Persona Three, which obviously they were not able to do in Portable. And of course, it being a PSP game, the the graphics are much worse than you would get elsewhere. So 
But I mean, it's just something that you kind of end up rolling with. But I, after a very cool sequence in which my uh, my persona defeated or ate ate a shadow mm-hmm. beast, mm-hmm. it was very Evangelion esque. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. I uh, fell asleep, and the the it fast forwarded to April nineteenth. So I'm not going to be able to play again oh. until next week. <laughs> I'm um, asleep. Nice. Yep. You're asleep. You, you had, had a no, big meal. Very long sleep. You had a big, big meal. Sleep. You got to take a big nap. Yeah. 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 What's the uh, inherent persona for the uh, hero in three? The way that it's Arsene Orpheus. 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 Oh, okay. That's interesting. But they have like Orpheus uh, goes berserk Evangelion on the shadow mm-hmm. creature. Yeah, it does. But then its power goes away. And it's like, what's going on here? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the one who screwed up with his wife, not us. What's he at? We don't have to sit here and take his <laughs> violence. <laughs> and that is this week in GeckoCon. We'll check in on April 19th, which is next week, and see what is happening in the wonderful world of Persona 3 as we head into week three. Play along with us over on the channel on our Discord. It is now time for the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Intergrade we only have a couple more weeks before we officially close submissions. We've got a long list of great games. Also, Act, Act Razor, which our pal Shane Bettenhausen got on Twitter and very bitterly said was not an RPG. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If we can include Bloodborne, we can include Act Razor. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Bloodborne is way more of an RPG uh-huh. than yeah. freaking Act Razor. Don't nope, even nope, with me, nope. Nadia. I have to agree uh, with I'm, Kat. I'm with Nadia. Actraiser um, is like a platformer sim. Like it's, it's. I gotta. It has yeah, I gotta stats agree with Kat that here. you build up. It has mm-hmm. lots of stats it that you build up. It has stats. Well, that's what we're going by with a lot of these. No. As- if if we're willing to call Actraiser an RPG, we have to also be willing to call a game like Super Paper Mario an RPG, and it is not. It categorically is not an RPG. I, I, Does I it I'm have with stats? Kat on this one. It does, but it's not an. Just I don't think. Yeah, I don't think stats about are the, the stats. soul. Yeah, I don't I've think said stats are the soul. Over and over and over again, on the and podcast, I'll keep disregarding it's about <laughs> the focus MLB, of the show is the, an RPG. <laughs> the focus of a RPG is building up a character. It's all about the character customization and the growth of the character. And even though, but you do that. an act raiser is not about. really about that. It is. It is. It's totally like it's. Only- it's it a freaking action platformer game that has some vague sim elements. I mean, okay, but where do we draw the line, Nadia? Because with your logic right now, we could also call the Mega Man X or Mega Man Zero games RPGs because you build Don't up give her their ideas over the course of the game. <laughs> you get do it. I mean, there is command mission, which yeah, which that's counts, a legit but... RPG. But like, you know, yeah. you get hard tanks, you, you build we up don't your, have a your life meter. Game in here, do we? Ooh. Oh, we should have that. We might need to rectify that. We might need to rectify that. Mega Man Battle Network 3, baby. One of the best RPGs. Drew mm-hmm. mm-hmm. RWX is trolling me with my Stardew Valley pick, by the way. Yeah, see, you chose Stardew Valley. I'm sorry. If I can, if you can choose Stardew Valley, I can get yeah. out there and say Act You're right. Keep in mind that I, Dragon Quest Builders is on You're right. List Stardew too. Valley <laughs> opened the gate to this nonsense. I probably I should not have put it on this box. list. Elpis is dying. Stardew Valley is at least borderline, unlike Actraiser. I don't know Actraiser if Stardew Valley is even then borderline. Too. Is it? I get. <laughs> really? You do kind of have stats in the game, like you. I just Stardew Valley. Looking... I mean, at least Stardew Valley has actual dungeon crawling. 
in it's a way. Dungeon crawling. Yeah. yeah. It definitely falls into the RPG tradition. And it's about growing your character and their relationships and getting to know people and making the world kind of your own. Yes, it puts much more emphasis on the farm sim element, but there's a highly strong RPG component to Stardew Valley. Giant tree and it's just... I I think games can have RPG components without necessarily being RPGs themselves. Like Horizon Forbidden West, for example. There are definitely RPG elements in that game, but I wouldn't call it an RPG. I call it an an, an action adventure game. I concur with you. Horizon Mm -hmm. Forbidden West is an action game first. Yes. That's why I had a big hang up about Dark Souls for the longest time because I was like, well, it's kind of right. an action game first, but it has such a dungeon crawling pedigree and the actual stats are so important to how you approach actual encounters. I think a good marker of whether or not a game is an RPG is to whether it has actual character builds in it. But of course, that's when you start getting into nonsense about what was Final Fantasy IV, just a visual novel? I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, Maybe. The visual, though the characters in Final Fantasy IV grow, you know, that they grow appreciably and become stronger and everything. So there's a lot of emphasis on them. Anyway, please reset the clock to zero days since we decided discussed what an RPG yeah, is. Yeah, that's definitely happening. <laughs> but this week's picks for the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Intergrade, nobody is going to question whether this one is an RPG it's Shimagami Tensei Strange Journey. That is my pick for this week. SMT Strange Journey is my favorite SMT, like my pure SMT game. I like it better than SMT3, SMT4, or SMT5. It has a real cosmic horror aspect to it. Um, it has kind of uh, traces of the thing in it. I love that it, it's got a little bit of an Etrian Odyssey feel. Mm-hmm. It, it does, yeah. But of course, mm-hmm. it's also classically Shimigami Tensei in that it has light, dark, and uh, yeah, no, it's really, very, it's really, really good. It's on the uh, Nintendo DS originally. I believe it was remastered for the uh, Nintendo. Yeah, it was remastered for Redux. I played that was the one I played, and that was actually mm-hmm. I agree mm-hmm. with you on this pick because that was my first Shimigami Tensei, and I really enjoyed it. And to this day, I remember, even though the dungeons were very kind of basic, dungeon crawly, straight corridors they were still very memorable in their design like the way a lot of them were designed after like gluttony or, or violence or whatever mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a standard theme but still they, did, they pulled it off really well and it had a very uh unsettling haunting atmosphere i think that even other even five didn't really quite touch the way that uh these guys did if you can believe mm-hmm. it i have an easier time recommending strange journey than i do nocturne or um yeah huh. or uh it is an easy recommendation mm-hmm. yeah like those yeah. games are all very good but it, in its own way, I feel like Strange Journey is more accessible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's 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 a little bit different. It's a little bit out there. And I think it has enough like pop culture influence, like like things that are popular in pop culture right now are are in Strange Journey. People will tie to them. So yeah, it, it's an easier recommendation than something like SMT five, where it kind of throws you into the deep end right away. <laughs> it says uh sink or swim. <laughs> um now I, I have to I know this is toward the end of this series that you've been doing, but I have to hope and assume that Chrono Trigger has already been put forward, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it's already yeah. on the list. Of course. Okay. Yeah. That's I had to make sure. I had to make sure I couldn't uh let this pass without making sure Chrono Trigger's on Chrono the list. Chrono Cross has not been nominated. Fair enough. Okay. 
I mean, I, I would be happy with a remake of Chrono Cross, but, you know, we did just get the remaster, so uh, which unfortunately didn't turn out that great. But uh, oh, my God, I, this I'd is the second down. week in a row that we haven't talked about it. I, I think we need something. to digress for just a hot second and talk about the Chrono Cross remaster. I wanted to finish Kirby before I bought it, but yeah. it's a shame. This Chrono Cross is such a special game. And it deserved better than the port it got. It's it's not mm. unplayable by any means, but it should be so much more polished than it is. It should not run better on PS1 than on PS5. How is that yeah. possible? <laughs> like, I'm not saying porting's easy. I'm not saying emulation's easy. None of that. I'm not, you know, this isn't like a lazy devs argument, but I'm just like, come on. This game deserves so much better. There's nothing quite like it. And it says a yeah. lot about the quality of the game that I'm still able to play the remaster despite its blemishes and really be transported back to like this, this feeling that no other game since has quite matched. There's mm -hmm. a feeling of melancholy and a feeling of just like dreamlike melancholy, I guess that mm -hmm. no other game quite touches on. And I love that about this game. It's so good. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, apparently it's just really bad on switch. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's, See, that's actually where I'm playing Switch. it. That's perfect. I'd actually heard it was worst on uh, Steam and PS5 because I've been playing I it on mean, Switch I've heard and people it's not saying that right. the gameplay yeah. drops to like single digits. It's not great. Yeah. yeah, it was like docked Switch again, right? It was one of those things where the docked version was was really really rough in particular so. compared oh, okay, to uh, handheld. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was oh, actually one positive anyway. thing. Is, okay, Vic Digital is saying that docked runs better. Yeah, I mean, Digital Foundry is where you want to go for the. De facto. Yeah. Wait, wait, no, Vic. Vic, That's what are you right, doing? Vic, I was right. This is the chaos of I, this is the chaos I of the chat. I threw you a bone this week. Wait until we get later on. I threw you a bone this week and you did this to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Drew RWX, by the way, helpfully pointing out that uh, from the show, Ben Hansen, uh, part one of four of Mid Max's Chrono Cross Deepest Dive is already out. And you can watch Ben Ooh. stream it on Twitch. I actually, uh, when I was in Minnesota, I had lunch with uh, Ben and Elise, and they said very nice things about me on MinMax. I'm going to say very nice things about them here on Axe of the Blood God. They're both great. Ben yeah, And if nice. you like RPGs, go check out MinMax because they do great stuff with uh, JRPGs. And they're from Minnesota. What's not to love? They're amazing. All right. Uh, Nadia, what's your pick for this month? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and nominate uh, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door for what should be very obvious reasons now to the point that people start internet wars over Paper Mario games now. Uh, I am actually a fan of the newer Paper Mario games as well. I actually really liked Origami King. I thought it was cute and clever. Uh, battle system was, you know, not great, but I just uh, found reasons to ignore the battles and I understand that like people say, okay, well, if you have a game that doesn't have the battle system that's really uh, implemented as a good part of the game, then you kind of have a problem. I agree with that, and I still agree that P Thousand Year Door is the standard to reach for, and even though Origami King is a different game, so it's not really going to reach that standard, Thousand Year Door was a really, really special RPG that was just Nintendo firing on all cylinders. Like they, You wouldn't think that the Mario RPG games, that includes uh, Mario and Luigi, have some of the best writing in the industry, but they do. So it, it does RPG stories justice. The graphics are still great. Like you could still go back and play the game and not be like, "Oh God, I'm disgusted. I have to turn this off." Uh, the music is is great as well. Has this is a game where you pull into the port town at the start of the game and you see yeah. a gallows just standing there, 
in the yep. middle of a, a toad town. And there's a back alley with a chalk outline of a toad that used to have a bloodstain, apparently. But Nintendo America said, no, that's a that's a bridge too far. Can't confirm so, that toads bleed. <laughs> Opens up all <laughs> kinds of problems. <laughs> and you have the, the piantas from the oh, piantas yeah. from Mario Sunshine are useless. But in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, they have the whole crime syndicate and this whole like yeah, they're like uh, a mafia. West Side Story thing. Yeah, uh-huh. they're, they're the mafia. They're the mob. You see, yeah. they see them whack someone when you it's come into the so town. Good. I so, I'm so glad you chose this one. It's such yeah, a it's great just game. such a, a, a hilariously inventive and amazingly like just great RPG, and it's fun to play. It's got the uh, action system that was kind of in the first uh, Mario RPG, so it's native to that. And you have like the badges, which give you your power ups. There's not really a lot of in the way of elaborate equipment, but there's some really memorable boss fights. Like just your first real big fight is against Bone Tail, and who's a big ass dragon that fills up half the screen. And there's just a lot of a lot to remember about this game, and I I think it is certainly certainly the best RPG on the GameCube, but it's it still deserves to be recognized. Yeah. It's just a great RPG overall. Can't I totally you agree with that. I can't I follow think, you there. Yeah. You didn't like Paper Mario Thousand Year Door? You, no, you, I did. You but Tales of Symphonia is also on the GameCube. So I got to I gotta oh, defend my That was the only and... game that I was going to say could maybe come close. Yeah. As the I best GameCube play, RPG. So I'll, but I I'll still. Give you, I'll give you that. Now, I, I've played both and I'd still give it to Thousand Year Door. But Symphonia is amazing. I still think uh, Rogueport is one of the most atmospheric, lived in feeling Nintendo settings ever. Like, it's certainly in any Mario yeah. game ever. And it's just yeah. it's such an interesting place. And, and all the NPCs have different things to say as you progress through the story. It just feels lived in. And you and you get to know everybody in Rogueport's, you know, society. And yeah, it's really like, cool. I love it. There's a lot of like a, a lot of things that also pay off much later in the story. Like you go into a bar and there's a pirate there just kind of singing a random sea shanty. And, you, and you're you become part of his like, you know, quest later on. You're right. It's a very lived in, very character heavy Mario. Like, that's why people say, oh, the Mario movie is going to be bad. There's no personality. Mario can have a lot of personality. Maybe not sure him. Can. He's the guy. Who, he's the straight guy. He's the one everyone bounces off of, so to speak. But the rest of the cast is pure chaos. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be it can be a lot of fun. Like Mario RPGs are always a ton of fun. They're always imaginative. Whatever you may think of uh origami king i mean heck it had a, a reference to pup in there so <laughs> there you go the band yeah origami king was fantastic as well and uh you know i just i i love these games i would love to see it get a remake and goombella best mario npc yeah. ever don't at me she's the best i love her and she needs to come back in a new game my husband would agree with you he's a huge fan of goombella she's so cool i love she's so sassy i love it I'm a Coops person. I love Coops. Oh, Coops is great. I mean, there's really, you can't go wrong with Paper Mario's partners. Yeah, all the characters, well, except for the baby Yoshi, he can probably fall off a cliff, but uh, (laughs) like Miss Mouse, like there's a little assassin mouse who's fighting with you and Vivian. Was it her? What's her name? Vivian? Uh, Uh, Vivian. Yeah. Vivian. Yeah. Just a really hard game. Twilight Town, like how like weird it looked and Dupless, like the whole bit with Dupless and the, the riddle. It's just a, it's so an RPG good. through and through. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it, it it takes really interesting risks in terms of the style of storytelling. Like you said, the dupless part, but also all of chapter three. That was that it's it's repetitive, but that's it kind of works in the game's favor. Like I I love that there's a whole chapter of that game, the Glitz Pit, that is completely different in in format yeah. and tone and pacing, but it works. I God, I love this game. Love this game. It's actually one of the better, like, there's a lot of RPGs that do the whole, like, 
uh, arena fight setting uh, where you have to fight your way to the top and get out that way. And that was actually one of the better versions of that trope. So, yeah, Definitely. I agree with you. Yeah. Rock Hawk. Rock Hawk's the best. <laughs> He's the best. He's. Well, it turned out to be perfect uh, that we had Ash on this show for Nadia's Paper Mario discussion. But Eric, meanwhile, wants to inject a little dose of extra chaos hey, after hey I hey almost now. jumped through the screen to uh, yell at Nadia about no, Act no, no, Razor. No, no, no. Uh-oh. Eric, don't, what's your don't pick? Throw, don't throw Act Razor at me because you want to talk. <laughs> we established it. This all worked to my benefit. I played the whole room because you want to talk about party building. You want to talk about growth over time. You want to talk about meaningful story changes that show how these characters get from point A to point B and become the heroes that they need to be. You want to talk about tactical combat and choosing moves from a variety and having to adapt to every situation. I'm going to tell you about 30 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. It's going on the list. 13 Sentinels is in this week. It's Vanilla Wares, some of its finest work. We've already got Odin Sphere on there. We got to get 13 Sentinels on there. I agree. It is an excellent game. It is a tactical strategy RPG with a heavy visual novel element for its story. And I'm telling you, this, this is a competitor. This is a contender. This is a heavyweight. And if you doubt me, you go play the Switch version and you come back and you tell me, Eric, I was wrong because you will. I've heard amazing things about this game. I've heard amazing a, things about the Switch version. It's incredible. Like, I, oh, good. So it plays fine because I want to play it again. That's how good it is. It's a story that yeah, is ma- yeah. hinges on a major plot twist. And I still want to play it, even though I know the story now. It's, I mean, the graphics are, are just gorgeous. Like, that doesn't even need to be oh, said. so beautiful. But, it's incredible. Uh, it's a game where I don't want to talk over you, Eric, but it's just a game where it doesn't care what it is or what you think what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just we have a story. We're doing it this way. If you don't like it, uh, I don't know. Go play something else. It's just it doesn't give a damn. And that's why I love it so much. And and all, all jokes about what is an RPG aside, I do genuinely believe that it falls under the category of strategy RPG because not only is progression and party building very key to the battle component of that game, but it is tied into the narrative in an honestly incredible way. Like once you get to the part where they start revealing that, yes, there is a narrative lore reason why you are gaining experience and becoming more powerful. That is one of the many moments where 13 Sentinels shows its hand and it says, yes, I am a well-constructed game i'm a well-meaning game it's got everything put together it i I just can't think of a game that better melds narrative and battle and lore all into one melange this like neapolitan of good video game where (laughs) yes each individual part is delicious but the sum of its whole is somehow even greater because of it it is so good and uh yeah i've heard the switch version is absolutely incredible uh i've got it queued up probably for packs is is when i'm going to spend some time yeah, playing it I i've so. actually heard they rebalance some of the combat and add some new abilities and stuff in which i'm really really into uh so i because i actually think that combat is great and i was like kind of side-eyeing a lot of people who are like oh the combat don't worry about the, com- the combat no, it's good no. it's good yeah. those are the same people that will tell you a muso game isn't is just like mashing buttons no you you don't understand a muso game if you think it's just a button mashing game it is a strategy action game and that is critical to a good muso in the same way that strategy rpg managing your party managing your abilities 
keys oh in your loadout and your time is critical to 13 sentinels. It's critical, cat. Oh, oh, cat. <laughs> oh do not God, get Eric. me started. I will, I will talk your ear off about how good Muso games are. <laughs> Please don't. I uh oh. I've heard fantastic things about 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. It's one of those games that I haven't gotten around to, but it's something I'm deeply interested in playing. I love Vanilla Ware's whole vibe. So hopefully I get around to it. I've heard wonderful things. I hope you do. You'd probably like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I I mean this sincerely. I love Vanillaware as a studio. I think it's an incredible studio that does a lot of really great games. But 13 Sentinels is the one where I can most feel that there was a real desire to make this thing happen, that this was clearly a passion project, that this was something they'd worked on for a long time. The story of its development is really, really cool. If you've never looked it up, Uh, this was an idea that they had shopped around for a while and just couldn't get done. And then finally they had, you know, the prestige to get this thing done. And you can really tell that the team was just firing on all cylinders. Everything they had Mm -hmm. learned over Odin sphere, over Muramasa, over dragon's crown, Everything put into this with so much more than you put in. Oh, just oh, play this game. It's such a good game. It's an incredible game. So much passion from Eric Van Allen about 13 Sentinels. I was Sentinels, sitting on that one room. for months. <laughs> I, I do have to ask if there's one more game that's already been put forward. I knew I figured Chrono Trigger was pretty safe and that it would have mm-hmm, to have been. Mm-hmm. But another one of my favorite, favorite, favorite games on well, really of all time is Illusion of Gaia. Has anyone put that yes. forward? Yes, Ooh, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm so glad somebody did. No, no, I, I didn't put it forward, but I want to. Oh, oh, but you want to? Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. okay. Please That's, don't. Yeah. I'd love to. Oh my god. Wait, like, are you not? I, I gotta get. Do I gotta get Ashley here for a quintet guys? episode. Oh no! Wait, I love it. Cat, do you dislike? Yeah, put Gaia? Breath of the Wild forward. If we're gonna put freaking Illusion Gaia forward, Jesus. To be fair, Illusion of Gaia is much closer to an RPG than Actraiser is. I mean, come on! Like, it's it's an action RPG. It's a Zelda game, essentially. Let's just I love how Act let's Razor has Super put Mario a stake World forward. in the ground. Yeah. Let's just let's put Symphony of the Night forward. <laughs> yes, let's. Please. Let's put Super Metroid Zelda forward. Two. Let's get These Zelda are all just Two games in. It's that time. Like, I would I would nominate Zelda Two. You cowards! Like, if you would like get me off my leash, I would do it. Monster oh, Rancher is an RPG, all right. Monster Rancher is a lot. Oh, Monsters rule. To be fair, I feel like there are at least a few universally agreed upon flavors of RPG, like action RPGs, Secret of Mana, Zelda, mm-hmm. Illusion mm-hmm. of Gaia. I feel like that's a pretty universally accepted thing, right? Like, not like a platformer RPG or something. One of those games is not Tactical like RPG, Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, Front Mission. I, I would consider those TRPGs. Mm-hmm. Armored Core, Zone of the Enders. What's the difference at the end of the <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <sighs> Metal Gear Acid could be an RPG. (laughs) Our final pick is from the community, and it's from our pal, Victor Hunter. And I didn't pick this one, but uh, Eric did. So you can thank Eric again. This had to happen. Sakura Wars, the visual novel that also has tactical RPG elements. I mean, it's close enough, right? 13 Sentinels has a real Sakura Wars vibe to it. but Yeah, it does. Victor Hunter says, Sakura Wars is the perfect candidate for the Pantheon for a thousand thousand reasons. It is historically significant. Without the team that was assembled for Sakura Wars, we wouldn't have Skies of Arcadia or Valkyria Chronicles. Sakura Wars never overstays its welcome. The episodic structure and alternating between time management adventure, visual novel, and SRPG segments keeps the game fresh during its brisk runtime. The active dialogue system was groundbreaking. 
and was refined in tons of interesting ways over the series' life. The voice cast is excellent, and the music and the overall presentation is 90s anime perfection. The Pantheon is to be filled with games that absolutely nail what they set out to do, represent history-making game design choices, and show off timeless experiences that both capture the best of the genre while bending it in captivating directions. Then the inclusion of Sakura Wars for Sega Saturn is absolutely integral. Thank you so much, Victor Hunter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I gotta echo Vic here that like you talk about aspects of RPG development that have now been incorporated into many other games, and this was kind of where Soccer Wars is the point where you have tactical RPGs and you have a lot of the development around dating sims, around management games, around all those life sim, social sim type games. Without Soccer Wars, you really don't have stuff like Persona. There's overlap there. There's there's ways that this built up into a place. Hey, hey, and Tokimeki Memorial, which I'm oh, yeah, sure is going to be put go on this back. list at any moment now. I don't know. I, I started like real. I don't want to diverge too much, but I started playing that that translation, that fan translation. It's excellent work. They did a great job getting it done, but they were right about the Super Nintendo version not being that hot. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, I, I think Sakura Wars, even maybe more so than Tokimeki for RPGs specifically, uh, does tie all that together. And and you do look at things like Fire Emblem, like Mass Effect, like Persona, and you can see the lines drawn and how Sakura Wars started to establish a lot of that. There's even kind of I've played a little bit of the translation for the Game Boy one that came out. And you can see some of the the run aspects, the roguelike aspects that that play into it as well. Uh a game that's ahead of its time and you know i think we got to talk about it so we got to talk about it that is our four games for this week smt strange journey paper mario thousand year door 13 sentinels Aegis rim and sakura wars in the most chaotic top 25 <laughs> rpg remake yet we only got a couple You're weeks welcome. left there's still plenty of time for more chaos god help us and now nadia take us home cabbage patch dolls boy do i did you have a cabbage patch doll oh yeah totally did you yeah what was his name i also i don't remember i was a tiny little child i was actually kind of young for uh cabbage patch kids because you're a little older than me right nadia yeah i was that's where this is going when i was four ish my grandmother for my birthday or, or a holiday or something bought me a cabbage patch doll I remember her very clearly. She had blonde hair, and her name was Millicent. And I never asked for this goddamn doll. I don't know. God bless my <laughs> grandmother's soul. But I think she just... My, my grandparents tried very hard with me, but I was not a typical little girl in that I never even glanced at dolls. Like, I kind of liked... I, I'm not even saying I was a tomboy, because I liked things like popples and Wuzzles. Do you remember, like, those weird animal hybrid dolls and like i love those things i love pound puppies i had a few pound puppies um oh yeah and stuff yeah. like that so it's not like I, I detested dolls but i never wanted a I, I never wanted a cabbage patch doll i didn't even know they existed i, don't, I just yeah so i just creepy. got one for christmas one year 
so I have this cabbage patch doll. I was like, great, okay. And since it's a gift for my grandmother, you know, I, I keep it fairly neat and put it on my bed or whatever. And eventually at some point I gave up. Probably around the time my younger brother was born and we always kind of had this sibling rivalry thing going on. So he at some point got crayons and scribbled on my cabbage patch's face. And I thought it was kind of funny, but at the same time I was mad. So <laughs> I tried to clean her up and like, okay, this isn't happening. Um, I threw her in the toy box and at some point she lost her dress. And at some point she ended up in the garage. And then at some point I go outside in my, my house and my brother and some neighbor kid are playing like monkey in the middle with my couch patch doll, this naked couch patch doll doing cartwheels mm -hmm. in the winter air. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing with that? And I'm like, oh, we're trying to get in the tree. Okay. Okay. Sure. Cause we had a nice big pine tree outside of <laughs> outside of our house so eventually they got it up in the tree where i'm like yay and we forgot about it and then we had a big storm one one winter and it <laughs> millicent fell out of the tree and fell on my dad's car <laughs> Just... <laughs> so you go outside and to get ready to go to school oh there's a like naked cabbage patch doll with like what? war paint or something all over her face on on the dad's car and of course my Incredible. dad's like what is this what <laughs> what is going on so i'm sorry dad i'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remove that and of course my mom's kind of pissy at me because like, your, your nanny bought you that you should do it with more blah, 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 blah. like i understand you're not wrong but i didn't ask didn't ask for this and i'm wondering uh cabbage patch dolls were absolutely like the thing to have mm -hmm. in that particular year and it's like did my grandmother shank someone to get me this doll i didn't mm -hmm. want is that mm -hmm. something she did for me it's just like thank you but you didn't have to kill a man i didn't want this doll and uh, yeah, that's the story of Millicent, who um, ended up on my dad's car, kind of half frozen after he fell out of a tree, which she lived in for a year. <laughs> the perfect Nadia there nostalgia There was a lot fit. to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I don't think I ever had any toys that met that fate, ultimately. No, I Same. my husband... Ash would know him know this very well. My husband's very organized and very good about like he collects Transformers, for example, and he's very mm. good about putting them up. And uh, he, he when we got married, he looked at my collection of like old instruction booklets where I kind of scribbled like fart and piss and shit all over them with red crayon. And my my, my <laughs> husband's like, why did he do that? Why would and I thought said, well, like, I didn't think they'd be worth anything growing up. I thought it was really funny. Like. You have the, one of my most famous pages is uh, in the Super Mario 3 manual. You have Roy Koopa saying, wow, this Mario sure is tough. I hope we can stop him. And I took a crayon and I wrote a bubble coming out of his mouth. And he's saying, oh, shit, because Mario's coming after him. So <laughs> <laughs> David is like, why would you do these are yeah. these are like treasures of your childhood. Why would you do this? I don't know. I thought it was funny. It's, it's not funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nadia. I've always said that I we would can't. have been best friends growing up, but then you would have driven, drawn all shit in one of my instruction <laughs> manuals, and I would have been like, uh -huh. "Nadia, we're not best friends anymore." <laughs> right? No, I, I was, I was a little bit weird in, in that regard. But yeah, I did. Um, I, I feel bad about the doll, but so it goes. Case are R.I.P. to Millie. R.I.P. Millie, you were you were a thing. For a you were a real one. Taking out cars. Thank you for exploring that tree. <laughs> I'm very sad for your instruction booklets. That that hurts my heart. It I, knew, hurts I a had a bit. feeling it would hurt your heart. I'm sorry, Ash. It does. It, it hurts a little bit, but you know, to each their own. I understand. I I, I definitely. Uh, it's not quite. Well, it's not even close to the same thing. But I uh, I had to restart 
back in the day, I had to restart Final Fantasy VIII because my friend at the time happened to save over my save file. We were playing it together oh. and he came over and we just he made a mistake. It was completely innocent. And he wasn't that we were around the same part of the game. So he was like, well, I feel, I'm sorry, man, but just, you know, pick up from my file. And I'm like, oh, fine. OK, I'll at least give I'll give it a try. So I load up his file and he had named his squall Antonio. And this has nothing to do with Antonio or any name, but he renamed the main character. And I'm like, dude, there is no way I am playing this game with Squall named anything other than Squall. How dare you commit that sin? How and playing dare the role you? of Squall Leonhardt is Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and so I, I was like, you know what? I always rename my characters. I what? always like my no. when I got Final Fantasy Six. I named them all after Power Rangers because Power Rangers oh was in God, them. So Locke was Tommy. I think I named Tara Bitch because I thought it was funny. You but don't. Celeste, you don't Celeste rename characters. Like, you don't. At least not the first time I named time them through. after my friends the first time I was playing through Final Fantasy VI. See? That was, uh, was something you did. Did you all would never Pokemon? Are y'all Pokemon renaming sickos? Oh, is I that totally what this I is? always rename. Oh, of course. I, I, name mm-hmm. all of, I, care, I name all the Pokemon that I care about. You know that I no. care yeah, about the Pokemon if I name it. Right. No, no. Sp- <sighs> Sparkle Motion is always what? there for me. When Eric, I need do you call your cat motion. cat? A or lot, your dog, actually, dog? especially when it's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Cat, get down from there. That's what I say a lot. I just, like, Poe literally just meowed after I said that. I could hear him from the other room. I feel like this is just <laughs> what we need to have in the post show. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ryan C. Nerd in your live chat says, I got my wife to try Chrono Trigger, and she named Chrono Fart at the beginning, and I died a little inside. Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. kill me, oh too. That would that would hurt me. All of this is hurting me. Ash, this- Ash should have been here for the story with the, the Blastoise I saw on the... I was I was looking over... It's like some kid on the TTC on, on the bus was playing Pokemon, and I looked over his shoulder. Little kid, right? And I named his Blastoise Ah, just the capital letter Ah. Oh, like, God. We a. can't go back to the Ah Blast. No. <laughs> So he was fighting, and it was like, go! Ah! And I, I I thought it was uh, amazing. This kid had no idea how genius he was. What, what oh a shame. Oh, my God. Wow. No. Three nostalgia nooks slash pits for one. I mean, we're just all rolling in. Uh, yeah, we have well, the good value something. here. We have he the opened the pit and fell down into the nostalgia <laughs> abyss. We've all fallen into the abyss in this episode. That's what happens when you fought when, you, when you're my friend. I take <laughs> I it all mean, down with me. When when you're when you're predicating an episode on Kingdom Hearts, it's already going to be going into the abyss because Kingdom Hearts is its own abyss. Let's be real. That's true. Like it's a it's a deep dive. It just keeps the rabbit hole just goes ever deeper. So I think that was to be expected. New blood god incentive. Who gets arrested in Boston? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm putting money on Nadia. Oh, easily. (laughs) We're all tumbling down Nadia's nostalgia abyss, and we're going to keep tumbling as we head into the post show where we will have yet another Nadia Nostalgia Pit. This one apparently R-rated. We'll have lots of other discourse. We always do. If you want to join the post show, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod for more information. In the meantime, thank you so much to our Stars of Destiny for joining us in this week's live recording. It was a party for sure. And this week we had Amy Azixa, Beware the Slimes, Brian C. Nerd, Darren Deer, Drew RWX, Cal L., not hollow, Mango, Alts, Sardin, Spirus, and Victor Hunter. Brian C. Nerd was, uh, and Beware of the Slimes, they were kind of the MVPs in this episode. So good job to you too. 
If you enjoy the show, please follow us on Twitter. I'm at the underscore catpot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at Seamoosie, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Ash, you're a special guest. Please go ahead and plug something. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at my name, Ash Paulson, A-S-H-P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And I mainly talk about video games, video game music, dogs, and food my four favorite things um also hey, hey. i am the creator and co-founder of good vibes gaming uh over where on youtube uh, youtube.com uh slash gvg official patreon patreon.com slash gv gaming uh we're on twitter uh official gvg uh and we are the old game explain crew reunited under the the new banner of good vibes gaming doing our own thing so it's me derek john and steve and we're doing our own thing started our own thing so if you like what we did over at game explain Certainly uh, check out what we do over at Good Vibes Gaming. It's a lot of fun. And we just we lead with the values of, you know, inclusivity and kindness and mental health well-being. And it is a place for anyone and everyone who loves games to just come and, uh, you know, enjoy this hobby we all love together. So, yeah, check us out over there. And thank you, Kat, and uh, for inviting me onto this episode. You know, I'm always down to talk about Kingdom Hearts. And, uh, yeah, I just love being here. So thank you for the invite. Aww. Reminder that we will be at PAX East next week for our panel about the state of Final Fantasy. Ash is going to be there as well. Yes, I will. Other special guests. Albatross Theater on April 22nd at 6 p.m. EST. And if you can't make it, we will record the episode and put it on that week's episode. No live recording next week, unfortunately. We'll be back next week, as always, for another round of rpg adventures and action and chaos and nostalgia pits it'll be great we're all just tumbling down but until then for nadia eric ash and myself thanks for listening happy adventuring <laughs> <laughs>